Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JV Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. Hey, not much. How's everybody going? Hopefully, everyone is doing well. Uh, the Dukes are 7-1, and one, and it is homecoming week. Uh, getting excited. A uh, big win, 38-10 to 10 over William & Mary down in Tribeville this past weekend, and a Huge game on the horizon as Towson and Tom Flacco come to town this weekend. I, I will say I don't think this game is quite as huge as we thought it might be earlier in the year. Um, but it is is it a, of, has it gone all the way to maybe a trap game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't, yeah. The question is, is it elite? Yeah, I'm not sure. It has maybe gone to a trap game. Um, I, I, the trap of this game is that the bye is the following week. And I do worry that JMU is up. You know, I want to see them finish strong before that bye. I think you could hear in Coach Signetti's voice today and some of the players over the weekend, they are very much looking forward to having a break off, yeah. getting a break. And they, they've played nine – this will be their ninth straight game. So, um, And yeah. Towson's almost almost in must-win. That's what I – I think we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, that's a real big thing. This is really um, do-or-die time for Towson. They are really on the ropes, and I, I imagine they will bring everything they can muster this weekend. Uh, plus, I, I think the weather's a little iffy. It was perking up a little bit today, not looking quite as awful as it had been. Um, but as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go by the tap room anytime, mention the podcast, and get a free pint glass. Huge thanks to Susan and Tim and everybody over there at Pale Fire. Um, they've been doing some good stuff lately. I've seen, just feel like I've been seeing a lot of Pale Fire stuff out lately, Rob. So, yeah, a lot but, of events. Yeah. A lot of cool music shows. and um yeah. Dance parties and then the, the soccer tournament. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's really just become like a cool focal point of the community. It has, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's really fun. So go and see them anytime and uh, mention us and you'll get a free pint class. Uh, a couple other notes. We uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Rob, I, I, I don't, I can't tell how the numbers ever since we switched to Anchor. I can't tell how any of this works, but it appeared like we were up last week from what we have been. So oh. people are probably tuning into the stretch run. And, and of course, I think flow has probably forced a lot of people to listen to places like us and Medea and sports news and everywhere else instead yeah. of being able to actually watch the game um, this year. So I wonder about that, too. That's not a good thing. But um, this week, the game is at home, so it'll be on Madison. So everyone can be happy, I think, uh, this coming week. So it'll be on Madison here in D.C. and on Madison. Um, well, to the extent that the Mass and World Series coverage doesn't get in the way. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> but, right, right. Um, but besides that, I did want to go around. I said last week, Rob, that I would go around uh, fall sports a little bit this, this week before we got started. We've, I feel like we've been, or at least I've given them short shrift this year and have not paid as close of attention as I have in the past. So uh, real quickly, just to just sort of give everyone a little level set for the rest of the season as teams come down the stretch. Field hockey is six and eight, but they are two and one in CAA play. They have four games left, including three in the conference. Four teams make the tournament, um, the CAA field hockey tournament. So they're very much alive for that tournament. I know they still have Northeastern, Towson, and Delaware in conference. And like I said, they're two and one. So while they have not um, done as well as they hoped, I thought it was a big improvement from having lost to number one North Carolina 9-0 a few weeks ago. Um, they hung pretty tough in a 2 nothing loss to Duke this weekend. So maybe things are turning around a little bit for Coach Morgan and the team. And at 2-1 and one in CAA play, not out of it at all. Um, cross country 
is almost over. Uh, the CAA championships are coming up. Uh, one notable thing for cross country this year, they are JMU's the host. So this is the 11 two weekend when the football team's on the bye. Um, it's at the new market battlefield, which I thought is pretty cool is the CAA championships this year. So just up the Valley a little bit at 11 AM on November 2nd, um, cross country's had some good results this year. So maybe a couple kids can even qualify for NCAA regionals in Charlottesville after the CAA championships. Uh, volleyball, one of the more successful programs in the fall. I think they would be the first to tell you they're a little, little disappointed with a 12 and six overall record and a six and two conference record, but they are in second place. Um, they are just starting their second time through the CAA. Uh, they hit six teams make the tournament, which doesn't start until just before Thanksgiving. So JMU is in no real danger yet. I think they're just kind of getting right. They're kind of where football is just really getting into the meat of the, you know, getting to the stretch run and, and just warming up. And at six and two in the conference, still everything ahead of the volleyball team and that crew uh, for the Dukes. Men's soccer, uh, probably the most successful, or at least the one we have the highest hopes for. Uh, dropped a tough game over the weekend, one nothing to UNC Wilmington after losing one nothing to number one UVA last week. They stand at nine five and one, four one and one in the CAA. They have three games left. Uh, on in the regular season. So that's kind of notable. I, I hadn't realized they're that close to the end of the season, Rob. They only play, uh, they have Penn State, Charleston, and William & Mary remaining. And the CAA tournament starts the 8th of November. So they're coming up pretty quick. Uh, six teams make the men's tournament and the women's tournament. And JMU obviously sitting pretty well at 4-1-1 one, one, um, to be in good shape there. I know it, that's one of those ones where it's a big, big deal to be in the top two. I think, right, because the other mm – -hmm. you get a buy. So, you know, JMU needs to sort of keep the hammer down here with just uh, the two conference games left, um, Charleston and Women Mary, to make sure they get into the top two there. And then women's soccer, a um, little bit of a struggle, but interestingly, I, I didn't realize – I'd kind of stopped tuning – I tuned them out a little bit with the 6-10-1 record, but they are 3-3-1 three, three, and one in the CAA. Uh, this is their last week of play. They are at UNC Wilmington on Thursday, and they're home for Drexel on this Sunday at 1 o'clock, so sort of homecoming weekend. And their CA tournament starts the following weekend. With six teams making the tournament, I'd have to think at 3-3-1, three, three and one, um, if they could finish strong here, at least split these last two games, they're probably also in good shape to at least make the CAA field. So good luck to the women this weekend. And that sort of takes us around the JMU landscape, and now we can get back to football. We know that's um, what most folks are here to talk about, this is our four downs by, brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the fly shop there in Harrisonburg and mention the podcast and you'll get a free, awesome Mossy Creek sticker. So, Rob, why don't you start us off with first down from coming off a, uh, an interesting game in Williamsburg, I thought. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Like it, it certainly wasn't as exciting as, right. <laughs> as some of the other games. It was kind of just like a pro forma exercise. And I get where you're coming from when you said you're worried about leading into the blind because it's kind of – I think as a fan base, we're kind of just like, all right, let's go. Let's win these games. we got to win. But there wasn't a lot of chatter online about it. There wasn't that much excitement, which is kind of a shame because William Mary, in-state rival, it's a game I think a lot of us really look forward to. It's a game mm -hmm. that draws really well uh, in terms of like a road trip. But it was just kind of like a, a, a man game. So my first, first down is I'm not really sure what we learned or if we learned anything at all. You know, JMU won a game that it had absolutely no business losing. And they did, right. so, they did so convincingly. Convincingly, um, yeah. You know, I think last week you and I had mentioned that 
one thing we were really looking forward to was just seeing JMU come out from the gun, get out to a lead, and not look back. It didn't work out that way. You know, they, right. they went down three, oh, yeah. three, three points. Um, no big deal. But then they just kind of – it just was very kind of methodical. Again, went about their business. Um, you know, by like the middle of the second quarter, it was mm-hmm. very obvious that they were going to win big and that it wasn't going to do much to excite anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just talking with people during texting and, um, you know, interacting on Twitter. People were just like, oh, yeah, here we go. I mean, it was, what, a 28-point win, and people were just like, la-di-da. Um, yeah. It's just it's weird how they've kind of – how they've separated themselves. Um, so, I don't know. It just it, – it wasn't particularly exciting. It was effective. It was the result they needed. Uh, nobody got banged up. There were several things that I thought improved. Um, but there's nothing that really concerns me any more than it did heading into that game based on what we saw. Yeah. And they got off to a slow start this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Danucci threw a pick on, it looked like, was that a wheel route or trying to yeah, throw it just, kind it, of a weird play? Like they were really locked in on Hamilton. It was weird to throw kind of down the field to Hamilton. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I mean, like I didn't mind no. taking a shot there. No, I didn't either. Um, I didn't think it was like it, a terrible decision no, or something. You know? It's like, it was one of those things you, you do what you got to do. I'm not sure he does that in a game that maybe is a little bit closer. Uh, I think yep. those are the types of throws that we've seen him tuck or maybe toss out of bounds. And everybody has applauded him for that this year. Mm-hmm. He took the shot, didn't work out. He didn't really try to squeeze too many more in after that. Nope. Um, didn't really need to because we're right. getting ridiculous separation. So yeah, it just, it was one of those games. Like I was excited that they got it, but I don't know, like, like a lot of people, I think I was more looking forward to next weekend. Yeah. I think that's a hard one. I, th- I think one thing we did learn this weekend, Rob, just to play off of what you said though, we did learn that. I think William and Mary's headed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, their, they, their front four was impressive defensively. Yeah. And, and, and it looked like the kids were, I mean, it was homecoming and stuff, and it was kind of cool. I, I, we, we got the Jill Ellis interview, and Mike, Mike Tomlin, Tomlin was there, right? I mean, that was kind of cool for them. Wasn't Mark um, Levy there, too? Yeah, yeah. And, but I felt like with Mike London, um, looked like the kids were playing. You know, they were, I mean, the last couple of years, it's been almost sad. Like, that team has really mailed it in. I mean, they just have been uninterested and non-competitive. Yeah, you don't want to insult people and be like, oh, good job. They played hard. No, but they, but they, but they played play hard. hard. They played and hard. They were, like, and know? until their quarterback threw that dreadful interception to Wayne Davis, yeah. it, you know, it was a pretty, you know, first quarter and a half or so, they were in it, and the kids seemed to play hard and were having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, there, there were a couple. The fake I, field goal. They didn't feel as far away as they have the last couple of years. Where they they're just like felt a transition like a, team. Yeah, there were there was some talent on the field this week, especially up front. Um, you know, Jamie didn't run the ball that effectively this week, and you know, William and Mary did a few things. They didn't run the ball particularly well either, other than that <laughs> no. the, the trick, you know, the sort of whatever. <laughs> they, 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 didn't, they didn't run the ball. After they didn't that. run the ball at all after yeah. that, right? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I was kind of glad. It just seemed like they're maybe London's going to give them a little bit of an identity, that, and they've. And I don't know that they knew what they were going to do after Laycock um, I, I over the last few years of Laycock. You know, looked, where... Even though the result doesn't look that impressive, they but, appeared more prepared than recently. Laycock was a great coach. I don't want to diminish the man's legacy. No. But, but he had lost a few miles off the fastball yep. the, the past few years. And the team just didn't look ready to compete week in and week out in the right. CAA to the level that they're used to or that they're used to under Laycock. I, I'm with you. I can see signs of growth. I can see reasons for optimism yeah. if I'm a William Mary fan. It's a weird offense to learn in one offseason, but if that's going to be their identity, um, when they can recruit players specifically for that type of system, mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, they, they could be trending in the right direction. Still no idea what Women Mary's just general athletic direction is right now. <laughs> so no. the new AD, I, I saw like Women Mary ads on a Metro bus today up here in Northern Virginia. And I thought, what? They're spending on football? Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, but that's not our problem. Yep. Um, right. So my second down, Rob, was Rondo Carter. Yeah. Um, we could just we, make him all We could just downs. make him all four downs this week. Uh, yeah. Last week was about DACA, who, you know, was good again this week. But this was a reminder, uh, you know, I think Carter's become – he's, you know, I, I don't know that he's quite reached like Jimmy level, but he's right there for me in terms of just the player I – I love watching. I've got, I'm, I'm really thankful that he's been a part of the program the last three, three years, um, seeing him grow into this. And he was just a man child out there this week. I mean, he just was a monster. And I just, that I, to me, the whole thing with this team, Rob, I, you know, I thought the secondary played well, much better this week. They seem to be tighter to the receivers. I have no idea what that says against a William Mary team that really didn't have much offensively. Um, especially a quarterback, but this team is going to be the defensive line, the health of the defensive line and the continued play of the defensive line is where this team is going to make their money. And if, if they can make a deep run in December, it's going to be because of that group of four. And we've seen it. You know, I think the beginning of the season, we saw a whole lot out of green and Atarawa on the inside. We'd seen DACA get going the last few weeks. And then this week we were back to the captain, uh, Rondo Carter taking things over. And yeah, I don't know who else I think, plays. I think them. between two of them, they've got 25 tackles for loss. It's or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Carter was beating the ball carrier to the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. in there for handoffs. Yeah. And when they weren't doing that, when they weren't wrapping guys up, they were just kind of doing that assignment football and just crashing the gaps, and they were going nowhere. I mean, they had something like, you know, like that one run for 73 yards, and don't quote me on this, but I want to say they had 28 other carries for two more yards. Yeah. Now I mean, some that's, of that's because like sack yard is sacked away, but still. Yeah. yeah. But it's still crazy to, to think of how just relentless they were. And it was violent. It was very like, violent. I mean, fun to watch. Were, yeah. It was fun to watch. It was like the old Lawrence Taylor NFL films, yes. you know, just yeah. absolutely crushing guys like good legal hits. It wasn't yes. headhunter, but they were just crushing dudes. Um, yeah. I don't know what you do if you're an offensive coordinator. I mean, you, you can't try to run against them and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I did think the pass defense was better, though. And, and I did, maybe... too. I thought, I mean, I thought there were some plays, you know, I mean, I, there were a couple bad throws there, but there was also just, I felt like on just down to down, JMU, you know, guys didn't have three yards of space when the ball came. Well, know? there were times when they clearly were playing like a contained type zone and guys caught it where in prior mm-hmm. weeks they would have scampered for another 15 yards before you even saw anybody else come into the picture. That's right. But this time they were just getting tackled. Like the safety play, I, I felt like they appeared to be much more comfortable in their role and knowing where they were supposed to be on the field. Yeah, um, I Davis, that, ca- Davis, Davis? That, that was an, kind of an unfortunate throw, but also it was quite a read. I mean, he broke on that ball. He broke on that ball. And, better you know, the receiver, better receiver. Got, got there about five yards. So it was a combination. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great throw, but let's not take away from Davis and the anticipation no. that he showed. Because he came from a good bit away. He did. You know, he caught that one on the run. It looked like he was running the pattern, actually. Yeah, it did. And I thought there were a couple of plays. I thought Torres Carroll, 27, you know, he's, he was closer to his man this week. Yeah. I thought Smith we, played well. Smith played well. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought there was a lot more there from the Dukes in the back end that um, made us feel a little better. We'll see what happens this week. I did think one thing with Carter and Daka, Rob, 
you know, I thought Jamie very deliberately this week with William Mary's offense. They seem to, um, I don't know what you'd call this, more of like what you would expect of the old 52 defenses, but like the end sort of got up the field a couple steps and then contained. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Green and Natarawa just kind of held their spot in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I, I don't know what, you know, somebody knows better than I do what that is. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they, if they can have that same success against Flacco this week, who is much more mobile, you know, and what they're going to try to do with him, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy who, if they leave a gap in the middle, he's probably going to try to run. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get all the way to the quarterback, he may get around the, you know, he may spin out and go around the end, sort of Russell Wilson style. And, and I guess you could have Holloway or somebody be like a spy. Spy, yeah. I wonder then, what they're going to do. That's just, that's like middle of the field. I, I don't know what you do with that. Just creates opportunities for the receivers to go over the top. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, and it'll be good. Um, I forget what's the kid's name, Leatherberry, Shane Leatherberry, the receiver, mm-hmm. had five touchdown catches this week. Now, granted, they were playing Bucknell, so take it with a grain of salt. But um, you know, whether it's Rashad or or McCormick or Carroll, who's ever on the outside, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get a real shot to cover a, a real receiver this week. Um, you know, who gets the ball from a real quarterback. So It'll be fun to see. I, th- I think this is a good chance to see what where JMU stands and if they if the progress we think we saw this week uh, was real or illusory, <laughs> a mm-hmm. little bit. So that that'll be kind of interesting. What about you for third down, Rob? Just kind of welcome back return game. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that was really cool to see. Amos, you know, not only did he field everything cleanly, but he had a couple really nice returns. There was great mm-hmm. blocking. Um, I just thought that the special teams overall were much better. Missed field goal aside, uh-huh. um, it was just great to see the return game actually working. And then the other thing with the return game, mm-hmm. I'm so conditioned to just think that the CAA officials have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I was so confused, and I was, like, livid and going crazy when Willie <laughs> Mary kept doing the fair catches. Yes. And then they were spotting on the 25. I was like, oh, these officials. I forgot that they even changed that rule. The, well, the weird thing Two was years ago, the first right? time the kid did it, he ran, he ran after, and so it it looked weird. Yeah, and like I think Bryce McGinley was down there, like asking for a flag. Yeah, you know, like yeah, but oh. yeah, they changed that rule, and yeah, that is funny. It is. They, I mean, it's not a bad thing if you don't think you're that confident in your return game. Just take the extra. I mean, the guy like, was fielding on like the four, and just take yeah. back out twenty five. I don't understand why more teams haven't done this against yeah. JMU. Um, last year, a few teams had picked up on that. I think we saw Weber State do that in the playoffs <clears throat> to JMU a few years mm-hmm. ago. Because um, JMU is very intentionally uh, – this year it's uh, Cam Wise, I think, is doing the kickoffs. And they very intentionally do not kick it in the end zone. No, they kind of um, cough you know, in the corner pros, and, and sometimes it doesn't goal, work out. Right. In the pros, the kind of goal is, like, just bomb it out of the end zone every mm-hmm. time. But in college, and, and with JMU's athletes that they have in the coverage game, yeah, they're trying to, you know, have the guy catch it inside the five, and, and they're trying to make a stop before the 25 and mm-hmm. gain a little advantage there. Um, but – yeah, William Mary was. I, I don't know why more teams don't do that against JMU because I don't know what the average return is, but I guarantee, uh, at least the lesser teams, it's not the twenty-five. No, you know. So, but yeah, it, just, it just was exciting to see Amos, and it made me realize or, or kind of remember um, mm-hmm. what a dangerous threat he can be. And mm-hmm. if he starts returning the ball with confidence, uh-huh. that can be a huge difference maker down the stretch run and, and hopefully deep into the playoffs. Gotcha. So, yeah, it w- really will be. So my my fourth down, I, I want to revisit uh, Coach Signetti. So mm-hmm. we've um, I had a few interesting kind of funny things come up and I wanted to just kind of revisit some of the things we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first kind of very random and this is like totally inappropriate to bring up, but why not have fun with it? I had not noticed until 
um, a friend of mine this weekend that I got to watch some of the game with and his wife um, made, made the point that Signetti has a very like, um, I don't know what, I don't know what you'd call that pose, like the exasperated suburban dad pose, yeah. right? With the, both hands on the back. It's like the, mm-hmm. the Ned Flanders is upset pose or something. Yeah, it, it's almost like, he seems like the type of coach who wouldn't yell at you. He'd just be disappointed in you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> it really is. It's, and it's then a, be like, oh, coach, can you just yell? Like, like I don't want to let you down. He'd just give you that, come on, what are you doing out doing there? Doing great. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cracking me up. I had not noticed that. And then what, as soon as he said it, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't unsee it from then on. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of funny. Um, I did enjoy Signetti talking about the uniforms today at the uh, press conference, Rob. He, you know, there's been some talk among, you know, certain quarters of the fan base. And I've, you and I have always kind of laughed at the uniform discussion. Not that we don't like cool uniforms here and there um, and haven't had fun with it, but it's such a lose lose situation at times in terms of the fan base. Yeah. Cause you've got this like all, everyone who's younger than us wants to see like 58 different uniforms. And why can't everything be like chrome colored neon? You know, yeah, whatever. Or, and then everybody older than us is like, where are the gold pants? Right. Yeah. Where are the gold helmets? Dang it. You know, like, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Um, it's one of the few things that actually makes me feel young nowadays. <laughs> the fact that I, I just can't even imagine being that upset about it. Right. Or, you know, I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay. I, I feel like I bond with the millennials or the current students. Right. Because I don't, I just, I guess more just don't care like just play the game well i actually kind of enjoyed uh signetti's take today which was i think decidedly old school but also um very new school jmu in terms of the branding Mm -hmm. and he just said um he said well you know as far as not playing in a bunch of different uniforms and playing in the same uniform every week or roughly the same look uh you know the place i was place i coached before that was the most successful program i've ever coached at I don't know if you noticed, but they were in the same uniform every week forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about Alabama. And he's like, they don't focus on what the uniform is this week. They focus on the game. And I uh, thought that was kind of decidedly old school. But then he also kind of turned it around and said, you know, the school has wants the brand to be on the map a little bit. And they want they have a certain look and, and something they're trying to portray about the school. And, you know, we're on board with that. And so I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like, I, I don't know what that says about, I mean, I, I, we have both enjoyed the purple and white, you know, that is something that JMU started really before the 16 Frisco championship is when mm-hmm. they did, the, they brought out the whole new logo and the rebranding and the white, purple, white has become the championship uniform and that kind of stuff. So I thought that was, I just thought it was funny that Signetti was kind of, that was the perfect answer for a coach for me. It was like walking the line. Saban, such a yeah. Saban answer. Yes. Um, and then, and I think he continues to do this little, uh, the other thing I like about him, I wonder, I hope this doesn't, doesn't wear thin over time. Um, but we've talked about this in terms of his, the way he kind of checks to, has, has at times checked Danucci this year in mm-hmm. press conferences after the game. Um, and it almost appears to be a little bit like uh, the Belichickian in trying to uh, keep certain players' egos in check. Yes. You know, and I think he's um, not been as hard. I think he's gotten a little – this week, you know, the interception, he was not – he was really complimentary of Danucci this week. I don't think he was I, – I, I just have started to notice that I think when a player genuinely plays bad, you're not going to hear him do that. Yeah. And when a player plays pretty well, he's going to check them. 
You know, I, I thought he, he got on Amos a little bit today on the uh, – so one of the reporters asked a question. It might have been Medea about the great effort that Amos made on the 75-yard run mm-hmm. that William & Mary had to chase that guy down. And Signetti kind of said, you know, well, it was a great effort. Maybe our fits weren't so good in letting that run happen in the first yeah. place. You know, but I thought it was, it was clearly a game where Amos played great, right? I mean, yeah. both, both areas that he contributes to the team too. He played really well. And I don't think there was any concern that like, oh, he's going to be upset if, I crit- if I'm a little critical. Where we actually haven't heard him be critical of Amos in the games where he struggled a little bit earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like that philosophy from a coach. I'm interested to see if that keeps up. Um, and I hope the players kind of, I'm guessing they kind of understand that in the locker room a little bit. Um, I'm going to be critical of you when you play well. Um, I'm going to try to sort of circle the wagons when you don't play well. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, so, I'm fine with it. Although yeah. it is funny with Nooch. Like, it was it was funny because people were like, oh, man, he didn't have a good game. He threw for more yards than he has all year. He had <laughs> one pick. Um, right. He still was good. It's just like – it's funny how weeks ago it was like the constant talk was, he's no sure, he's no – it was right. just constant – the stuff that just bored you and I yeah. to, to tears and was so unnecessary. And now already it's like – uh, he's off when he's throwing for 250 yards in a game where they really have – the other team's just selling out to stop the run. He needed yeah. to rally the troops. It just – he's yeah. kind of raised his own bar in he some has. sense. You know, he, he made a great play for that first touchdown. Oh, he did that jump pass? The jump pass, yeah. yeah. No, And then the other one to Polk was great. He made yeah. a couple really nice throws to Brown. Uh-huh. Um, perhaps the thing he does best is just spread the ball around. And, and, he does. and this was the other thing. Like, I didn't think the running game was particularly impressive, but I did think – a couple of the guys, Van Horse in particular, were, were pretty effective in the passing game. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's, it's fun, like, when you've got guys like that, okay, if Will and the front forge go out, stop the run, if you can run screen plays and little flares or even, like, that wheel route that didn't work out, um, mm-hmm. it is cool. Like, it, it's, it's neat to see so many weapons and to see guys that can be effective even if they're not running the ball particularly well. Oh, yeah, no, he, he does. He, he's getting it, you know, Stapleton and Stapleton both had – you know, contributions this week. Yeah, there's a lot of guys well, contributing. The, the, the hot take might be, is Dylan Stapleton more valuable at this point? <laughs> than Riley, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't we'll know. See when, yeah, we'll see when the game's, when it really matters. I think well, they're I'll, both, I'll say this. So let, they're both very valuable, and yes. I'm happy to have them both on the field. I, I've been exactly. really pleased with how far Dylan has proved. Uh-huh. He really seems to um, have developed some pretty terrific chemistry mm-hmm. with Danucci. Yeah. And he's, you can see when he goes to contact now, he holds that ball in. Yeah. Like he clearly has been coached up. Like he's wrapping it up, bringing it up to his body. Yeah. Because uh, he's a bruiser, man. Yeah. Like oh, he, he, doesn't, going. he doesn't like to go down. I mean, he's, yeah. that's clearly one of those, that tight end mentality of like one first hit contact isn't going to bring me down. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's good to see. I, that'll be, it's going to be fun to watch this team. I mean, I'm like you. I, I think this week will be fun, but it is. I, I don't want to get complacent as fans and just think like, okay, let's wait till we get to a real game. Um, you know, we thought that at times last year, and we got our ass kicked by Colgate. So yeah, you know, I, I don't want to don't want to do that the rest of the way. Towson's coming, New Hampshire's coming. You know, there's still games in the regular season that will be a challenge if if the team thinks like we do at times. Yeah, yeah. So. Speaking of that, Rob, uh, what are two things? I think we've talked a little bit, but um, what's one thing maybe you're really looking forward to um, coming up for homecoming this week? I, I guess just seeing how the how the defense responds to probably the best quarterback they're going to face this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Flacco is a dangerous guy for, for multiple reasons. Not only does he have a good arm, but he is very mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, he can get downfield. Towson is a wildly inconsistent team. Mm-hmm. But when they're hitting on all cylinders, they can drop 40-plus points on, on pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just I'm excited to see how they respond to that challenge. And it, I don't know. Um, I'm very confident that Flacco is probably going to have more defenders in his face than he has the average week. Mm-hmm. But if JMU doesn't have kind of all his ducks in a row in the defensive secondary, it, it could be kind of a long day. So um, this is one I'm, I'm pretty confident. I think the 16-and-a-half line, which I saw come out today, is maybe oh. a little bit off base. I don't know if you saw that. that you think it's a little a, high? I think it's a little high. Okay. But, um, I, I don't know. But yeah, Towson's defense doesn't really worry me. don't want to see this be a shootout. Um, I, I'd like to see – Again, like every week. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's a shootout situation that I don't trust. Mm-hmm. It's maybe more that I, I think Flacco is looking for that one signature game, and and this is that opportunity. I don't want to see it. You know, if he has the ball in the end, that's a scary situation. And, yeah. You, know, they're, they're, no they're, they're, you don't want it. Fourth quarter, he's got a chance. You know, two minutes left, he's got to score a touchdown. He's not the guy you want to give that opportunity to. Let's just put it that no. way. And I just don't have any I, – I don't think I have any um, real strong feeling about what we're going to get from Towson this week. No. You know, they've had some injuries and some really inconsistent performances, but they're really desperate. Mm-hmm. They're four and three, and this would put them – you know, I mean, and this would be their fourth loss in a year where the they- CAA is a mess, you know. I think they're four and three, or are they three and four? I don't, I don't, but in either case, I mean, they, they're really up against it in terms of trying to keep up with the field um, out here. I, I, don't, I just I don't know what to make of them. So, um, you know, they're going to be – I'm sure – to me, it seems like the desperation would balance out any of their previous inconsistency. And the fact that they're – I mean, we've seen it from teams before. They're, it's Bridgeforth and JMU. Um, teams tend to get up for that. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be good to see. Um, yeah, for me, I'd like to see JMU just get back. I, I would like to see them run the ball. And this is kind of the converse of what you just said, Rob, which is I'd like to see them run the ball and control this game. Um, no, that's I don't want to want this a, to get a, into a gonna, shootout. I don't want it to and, be a yeah. track meet. And JMU, it was funny this week because I think they took what William Mary gave them. And William Mary did what we've seen teams – I mean, Villanova did this a little bit too, where they just – they put eight or nine guys in the box and they – sort of run blitzed all the time. And that left you wide open on the outside for six yard passes to Riley whenever you wanted them. And that's great. But I would like to see this week with Towson, who I think we think might be a little bit of a, you know, they, they struggle a little bit on defense. I'd like to see Jamie get back to that kind of 150, 200 yard rushing day where they really control this game. And if they were to win, say 28 to 10, that would be perfectly fine with me. <laughs> Or you know, ecstatic. Right. I, you know, I, I don't I don't have any or or thirty eight whatever we saw, you know. Just something where they kind of have control of this game by halftime. Um and even if they're not more than say like ten points ahead, where I just feel like this isn't getting like you said, not turning into a party in the end zone game here. Yeah. You know. Um yeah, that's what I'd like to see. So Rob, but not, I think, but not a Mike Houston. Let's try to win this one three nothing special. No, I don't want that either. I mean, no. I don't, and I don't. Think I, I want to see just, I think no. Cignetti's, yeah, it's just kind of steady as she goes. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do. Um, 
I don't want them to just like take their foot off the gas and play total possession or, or like ball control. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's going to be a little more measured. Um, and yeah. like you, I would really, I'd love to see the run game going because that's just going to keep Flacco off the field. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's and, exactly and right. If they can just keep moving the chains with the running game, mm-hmm. by all means, let's do it. And then, you know, Polk is going to get his. Yeah. Riley and Dillon are going to get theirs. We saw this week Jake Brown is ready. Uh, Kendall Dean's had a couple nice catches the past few weeks. Yeah. Baby Ravenel's been a little quiet, but he's made big plays this year. I mean, they've got weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of kind of striking while the iron's hot. But establish that running game first. Old school yeah. football. And, and, and to me, it's homecoming. you got one job. That's to win the game. And, yep. you know, it's, it's your last week before the bye. Whatever happens, if they get out of this with a win, um, you know, barring any massive injury, I'm going to try not to panic about the method. Um, you know, get out of this. Get to 8-1. and one, You'll be in great shape with a bye coming up. And, you know, another – couple of big you know the new hampshire and richmond coming to town uh after the bye really your last i, th- I think the last super competitive game uh with new hampshire coming after the bye and i guess that brings us speaking of so we had shelved our uh, lol spider section because our, our our friends in the rva had managed to win a couple um who knows how and sure enough this Boy, week they, magic. they did right and uh sure enough this week they uh they had another one in the bag. They had it all wrapped up. They had a, a win over a – a lot of people kind of laugh at the Ivy League, but I think we know, um, listening to Brian McLaughlin – Princeton is no joke. Yeah, we know the Ivy League is no joke. Their recruiting is, is uh, kind of outstanding because they have a little, little something to offer uh, to recruits that some other schools don't. It's also – they don't have scholarship, but they just give grants to as many people as they want. <laughs> as they want, right, exactly. You know, and They don't have scholarships, so they have $10 billion <laughs> endowments to tap right. into. So, oh, poor Crimea River about non-scholarship football. Right, and if you come here and play football here, you'll probably be fine in life. Yeah. Um, be, a, it, you know, with our alumni network after this. So My, yeah. tell, my cousin's friend in uh-huh. high school, uh-huh. star running back at their high school, and he was getting yep. recruited by big time schools mm-hmm. like big 10 and everything like that. And he was a running back. He also got recruited by Harvard mm-hmm. and all these big schools are selling him what you'd expect. Like, Oh, you come with us. You're going to go to the NFL. And this guy was looking at him. He was like a five ten Asian <laughs> running back. Right, right. And he was like, I ain't going to the NFL. Right. He's like, I'm going to Harvard. And he went to Harvard was like all conference set all these records, um, walked right into a job on wall street. Yep. And four years later, bounced back in his Harvard MBA. And the guy just, I mean, at age 17 or 18, he was like, he was smart guy, yep. but he wasn't getting wasn't to Harvard without football guy. But right. he's like, I bet you if I play football, I'm going to pass most of my classes and a lot of people are going to give me a job. Right, right. And if I beat Yale, I'm pretty much going to have a and I mean, worked out for the guy. So <laughs> yeah. kudos. There is that element. Like, there are plenty of smart people to play football that know they're not going to defy the odds and play on Sundays. And yes. <laughs> if you can go get a Princeton degree, a Harvard degree, a Yale degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And God bless you. If you can come from two touchdowns down with like three minutes to go to beat Richmond. Wait, that didn't I'll happen, hire you. did it, Rob? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not only are you going to get, you know, jobs from every Yale alum on the planet, mm-hmm. pretty much every JMU alum is going to try to hire you out of, out of thankfulness as well. You know? Oh, this was, I, I, I didn't even know. I mean, this, I, you know, I, I'm a little torn about whether we should be doing this segment or not in general, but I don't want to jinx this it. This one was pretty special because yeah, was... they really had this one in the bag and um, Yale threw about a 30, what is that? About a 30 yard pass to the end zone. Kid made a pretty good catch in the end zone with like, I don't know, a minute and a half, less than a minute 20 to go 
to cut it to six. And then you, then they got an onside kick, which is something you almost never see with the new kickoff rules uh, now where you can't put it load, overload one side. And Richmond managed to botch an onside kick. And Harvard, I mean, Yale with no timeouts uh, went down the field and managed to throw another 20-yard touchdown at the end I mean, of the that's game. Just, that is, that's the type of thing, if they had fans, they would be crushed. Yes. Th- thankfully, it's not really affecting too many people this morning. No, so. no, no. So that's what happens. Um, yep. So that brings us to overtime, Rob. You want to introduce an overtime topic? Thanks to everybody who keeps uh, submitting things. We're going to take yeah. a little break from the tailgate stuff this week, though. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of good, like, tailgate drinks mm-hmm. and all that, and then a lot of Halloween movies, which I guess we could probably squeeze in next week or do some sort of Halloween-related thing. Yeah, I don't know that many Halloween. I mean, like, I, I mean, I do know, I mean, the horror movies side, but I don't know if that's really, like, all Halloween. I mean, Charlie Brown? Yeah, Pumpkin Patch? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Great Pumpkin, though. Mm-hmm. It's not really, no, I don't know, whatever. That's yeah. beginning, beginning of the end of the list for me. Yeah. Um, we're just going to do kind of bucket list trips for, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's, you open up for whatever you want. That's activities you want to do or just places you want to see, but we'll just each do a couple. So why don't you start off? Well, you are way ahead of me on the uh, world traveling list, so I know yours mm-hmm. will be, I'm, I'm interested in yours for sure. Mine are probably a little on the simpler end. Um I, I want to go to Alaska. Uh, I still haven't, haven't been there. So that's, <laughs> that, that was the first time I went. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and I would really like to do it in some kind of a, like, at least a, you know, at least part of the trip being some type of camping or hiking or ATV or mountain bike or something, mm-hmm. you know, um, something kind of adventurous as a part of, I mean, not just like a pure cruise, you know, Oh, that's the um, only cruise that appeals to me. Yeah, you're right. And, and yeah. obviously some type of some fishing involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alaska's always been on my list in, in terms of the, the United States. I, I am fortunate enough to say I've been to Hawaii. So, I mean, that's the one really out there trip in the U.S. that I'd love to do. So. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, that's my top two. My parents yeah. have been multiple times. Okay. They've done cruises there because um, mm-hmm. that's really the most feasible way to do it. Do it, yeah, yeah. Being in your 70s. But they did it again. I think for the second time last year mm-hmm. and they went up like a week and a half early and went to Denali national park. My dad oh, nice. wanted to see moose and bears and mm-hmm. they, they were fortunate to see both. That's um, awesome. But it's also I, Google this when you, when you get off the pod, mm-hmm. um, DIY AK, it's a fly fishing video about these guys who did a do it yourself Alaska trip. They didn't want to oh. do like a lodge and it's like a full on, it's like a 10 minute video. It's not uh-huh. going to be a big time commitment. But they did a full-on wilderness adventure, you know, took oh, the, awesome. the back, you know, the bush yeah. plane back in there, got dropped off, and then did a 100-mile float down the uh, river with grizzlies the whole time. I mean, they're fly <laughs> fishing with shotguns on their backs, <laughs> right. um, just catching, you know, it, it's crazy, the fish you're seeing at, which is amazing when you see all these salmon, and it's just like literally, you know, fish in a barrel, but that also attracts the bears and everything. But it's just the pure wilderness. They don't reveal what river it is. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, secret spot. It's just breathtaking. Um, I don't want to go to the, that degree, right. but I would love to go check out one of those lodges and do some salmon fishing and, yeah. and all that. I'd love That's to see awesome. Denali. I'd love to see. Yeah. My, my cousin, who's a ski photographer, mm-hmm. ends up to Valdez. Uh-huh. Yeah, a, a bunch for helicopter skiing. And the pictures he comes back with are just unreal. Looks yeah. amazing. So, yeah, that, that was my top choice as well. Nice. All right. Good. Well, what's another one for you, Rob? Um, I'm fortunate where I, I've been to China a couple times mm-hmm. and I'm, it's fascinating. It's just like so different. Um, really, really cool. I, I would like to do an extended kind of a food tour of Asia. Uh, uh, you know, just yeah. kind of like it, just street food. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to do all the 
the food stalls and everything in Singapore and Vietnam and Thailand. Mm-hmm. I just, I love, I've traveled, like you said, I've traveled a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, Asia's some of the most fun places I've been. It's the most challenging. It's just very different. Um, it's just really, it just kind of pushes you out there. There's mm-hmm. no like phonetically working through signs or anything like that. It is really, really hard, uh-huh. really, really rewarding. And the food is just amazing. Like I, I went, I backpacked through China and then I went back and was there for like a month or five weeks or something in business school. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely loved it. Food is amazing. The people are cool. It's just like super, super different. But I would just, I'd love to go to Singapore. Uh-huh. And like I, I'd love to, Vietnam. I'd love to go to Thailand. I just want to do like an extended, take like, you know, two months or three months of my life and just work my way through and really get off the beaten path. Um, but really just explore all the food. That's awesome. And, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really great. Um, I, I don't know. I was trying to think. I thought about those and I was hoping you would come up with one of those because I was like, I don't know that I could put that. I don't know if I'm quite as adventurous as you are in that way. Um, but that's awesome. I would need a friend. Yeah, like yeah. I've gone in the past with friends that live there yeah. or classmates or, or natives. And that's even more fun because then you get to know other people and you really can dive in. That's awesome. And you feel like you're embracing it, not just, it's not like, oh, look, Eiffel Tower, you know, right. Big Ben. Right. You're like hanging out and just going to somebody's house. Yeah. Or, well, I know for me, I, a, a sailing trip of some kind uh, would be, is, is really high on my list, has been mm-hmm. since I was like in but really young. <laughs> um, you're, you're Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I, you know, it's funny. I'd love to do a Pacific trip, but I don't trust myself that I'm, I need to do like a BVI trip first or a Caribbean yeah. trip first mm-hmm. to see if I'm actually capable from a like stomach GI standpoint, mm-hmm. right. Of getting used to it, being on the water for a week or two. I mean, I mean, I love the idea of going to Tahiti or Fiji or, you know, South Pacific a little bit. Um, but I don't know, you know, those are, really long trips at sea. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I need to learn first somewhere a little more forgiving. So yeah, but any kind of a sailing trip for me is, it was really high on the list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just sail through the Caribbean yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Cause you just, you get to access like all the cool hideaway beaches mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just low key. You can avoid the big ports where there's all the mm-hmm. cruise ships and everything. Yeah. Um, access stuff you couldn't ever get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the other big thing I want to see, and this isn't really a destination mm-hmm. as much as it is, I would really love to see the Northern Lights. Me too. That's a huge one. For, and, and like, I don't know how you plan that. I know people who have spent years, you know, like 40th birthday, yeah. I'm going to go do it. And they t- take trips and it just doesn't work out. Right. So like, you, I guess you got to choose a place you also would like to see. Right. Um, so I've been to Iceland and it was awesome. But I think I'd, I'd like to try to go to Norway. Mm-hmm just the mountain yeah yeah i don't know that's like just epic epic stuff Mm -hmm. um to go back there and see all that so i I would like to try to do that around the time of year um and see the northern lights but i figure even if you don't see it Mm -hmm. seeing just the mountains and all those vistas in norway yeah it's hard um, because i thought about like antarctica which is one that i like have always thought like that's what's cool but the the sort of hassle of getting to and from right and the cost of it is so right to that it's it where i think most of the northern stuff whether it's alaska or going up to scandinavia that kind of stuff it's you know much more appealing in that way um i think patagonia is kind of the same way for me i, th- I think i may have said that one on here before um that's probably my other one um I would love to go down there. Yeah. One of those ranches with the gauchos yeah. where you ride horses, yeah, yeah. You go fly fishing and just eat steak. Yeah. That seems like heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything with, I, I, for me, it's the, my last one's definitely mountain related. So I, I was torn between Patagonia or the Himalayas, but 
you know, either one, I'd love to love to go somewhere where there's big mountains and that kind of stuff. I mean, Patagonia seems amazing. I know we have a couple friends who have done it and uh, that would be high on my list. Well, and you've, you've run laps around me in terms of like the national parks. In the oh, Midwest, right. And that is huge for me. Like we're in the process. Um, fourth graders get national park entries for free for their time. Oh, my funny. youngest is a fourth grader. So we're trying to use that as an excuse to visit Do at it. least one or one or two of the big parks. We're looking at spring break, but that's not like, the best time for Yellowstone or any of those, but we might do Joshua tree. Um, and then I don't know if we can do it in the summer. I don't want it in the spring, but I would like to see more of Utah. And I know that doesn't sound, I love Utah. Super It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Like it's, I've only been skiing out there, but like Moab and you know, the canyons, all that stuff. It's just, Oh, it's amazing. It looks like Mars. I mean, it's it's like the most amazing landscape. So I'm just kind of dying to see more of Utah in the American West. Yeah, the one that I have missed on my parks, um, I would love to do the Boundary Waters. Mm -hmm. Um, I have never done that, and I've had kind of, you know, I have a couple. I have have an opportunity every couple years to do this, and it just has not worked out in my life, Um, and it will not again for the next couple. I don't think, but I'm still hopeful. um, Sort of northern Minnesota you know, to be able to do a canoe, I have a couple of buddies who every couple of years do a canoe trip up there. That's one I'd love to do too. Yeah. Just there. Like, I feel like Minnesota, Wisconsin and mm-hmm. the upper peninsula of Michigan yeah. are grossly underrated. Yeah. And they just, every time I talk to somebody who goes there, I feel like they come back and they're like, I'm buying a retirement home there. That's like, that, that, is, that is the best place ever <laughs> for in the summertime. That place is heaven on earth. You know, there's just miles and miles of water and good fishing and, um, good food, great beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rob, we should wrap up on one. Um, back to football for a second. Um, you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just, our uh, listeners who anybody's still around might appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, we just want to say I, I think we're both. We thought it was really cool that uh, game day is going to Brookings, South Dakota this week for Absolutely. the NDSU at SDSU game. Speaking um, of Wisconsin, losing. Yeah, so re- yeah, re- really cool. Yeah, the Wisconsin loss uh, propelled an FCS game back to the top. Uh, really happy for South Dakota State. Really happy that it's not um, NDSU. And and honestly, I'm I'm really happy to see them go. I mean, I know they've been to HBCUs, they've been to Ivies, they've been to a couple like you know interesting historical matchups before. But to me, the NDSU and JMU games have been the best in terms of showing what our level is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting that they're going to another place that I fully respect. You know, I mean, I think we, everybody agrees. Um, they've earned it on the field, you know, South Dakota State yeah. over the last five or 10 years. And it should be really cool. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of NDSU people there, um, but that's going to be fun. And then, Rob, just to, with the, uh, you know, the Furman loss last week, you know, we're not there yet, but man, JMU, this, that's what I'm saying. Get a win, get to the bye. Um, this is down to, this has really started to separate, and we'll see what happens in that Dakota Marker game this week. But those top three, I mean, the two Dakotas, JMU, and then out west, uh, Sacramento State and Weber State, who play pretty soon here. Um, but that's about it. I mean, Furman lost this week. Um, I, I don't know that there's anybody outside of that five. I think earlier in the season, you and I talked about maybe there were more teams than that that we thought could really make a, a run at the actual trophy. I'm not sure anybody outside of that five right now I feel real comfortable with. Um, no, maybe it, Villanova. But, no, but you know. you're going to have teams that are probably good enough on any given Saturday yeah, to yeah, win, that but that'll be yeah. sitting home in the playoffs. That's right. You know, the, CA, it, the CA is going to have the CA is right. going to have some good teams that don't make the playoffs because they just 
stumble. You know, yeah. New Hampshire is kind of vulnerable after losing to Delaware. But New mm-hmm. Hampshire could come in and, I mean, they, they could beat JMU and be right back in there. Um, yeah. Delaware's kind of on the edge. Towson's on the edge. There's a lot of really good teams in the CAA. Sacramento State, even, they've been really, they've, they've been, been red awesome. hot. Yeah, but didn't they have like two losses earlier? I mean, it's yeah, they did, but they're both FBS. Okay, actually. so, okay. Yeah. I didn't so I yeah, both that, FB... but... no, no, um, I know. Like you said, Furman losing to Citadel, um, it is kind of difficult to see where things shake out, and people, it's like you can't take these like William and Mary like games for granted. No, you know, you not just at all. you you need to win the games. You need to win. You can't drop any of these unexpected losses. It's, it can really it can ruin your whole season. It'll leave you on the outside looking in. Yeah, well, Youngstown got their ass kicked this weekend by. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Illinois. Um, yeah, so they're just, I, to me, I mean, Eastern Washington is down. Sam Houston's actually kind of righted the ship a little bit, but Cal Davis you know, is kind of a joke. Cal Davis has become a joke from yeah. what we thought. Jacksonville State is terrible. Um, you know, Kennesaw is just trash, even though they're winning. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I again, like you said, I mean, you get to the playoffs and it's all matchups. I mean, I'm not saying anybody can't. There is there's a larger group of teams who could beat any of those top five on a given week. I'm not saying that. Yeah, and, and I like, just would be surprised if anyone from outside of that group of five wins the whole thing. And that's less teams than I felt at this point in many past seasons. So for me with JMU right now, it's like everybody wants you know for the fans to get disappointed. It's like wait, take a step back and. You know, other teams are finding ways to lose games. And so far, JMU has not done that. No, and, and, and I'm the... very pleased with that JMU taking care of business. But, like, I still – I don't think this is, like, two years ago when the entire season was a precursor to mm-hmm. JMU versus NDSU. Well, I, it's especially not – no. Yeah, I the, mean – The I, matchup side of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. And this is a huge game, uh, NDSU and, and South Dakota State this weekend. Yeah. Um, other than kind of, I guess, Auburn-LSU – it is clearly, in my mind, the second best game in college football this weekend. It is absolutely. You know, th- yeah. this is no joke, and and they deserve game day. They were at game day was at LSU what two weeks ago for the Florida game. Yeah, and they may be back there for Alabama. For Alabama, or, back, or they'll be having they'll be covering LSU again. Yeah, most likely. Um, yeah, but this is not like they're not settling. This is the biggest one of the biggest games in college football this weekend. Um, yeah, it really is. South Dakota State absolutely can win this, um, and that won't knock North Dakota State out of a seed. You know, it'll just kind of maybe flip-flop the seeds that the teams have going in. So. Well, what's really scary, and this is where it's going to get really funny as this season goes along and we'll find out. I mean, clearly the Sacramento State, Weber State, whoever wins the big sky, I think is in great shape to be a top four yeah. seed. Um, you know, if JMU could run the table, they'd be in great shape. It, Rob, the, the, the controversy will start. Well, let's just see what happens this weekend. Um, you know, if NDSU wins, it probably – Solves itself. They're number one until they lose. Then yeah. you stay as number two. I don't know what happens to SDSU. If the Jackrabbits um, win this week over the Bison, um, they could we're going to get Yeah, we're going to get some real. Well, I yeah. think they probably deservedly so. Yeah, I wouldn't right? have any argument. I wouldn't have any argument yeah. if they left JMU. Um, what scares me is, that, you know, there's then now we're in the possibility of. Does JMU drop does, below NDSU? Does JMU, yes, yeah. right. Does NDSU. And if they don't, though, the most incredible part of this, um, just putting it out there, December 20th, uh, semifinal Saturday at Bridgeforce Stadium, it's not impossible if SDSU wins this weekend that North Dakota State becomes the three seed and we might finally get our wish um, yeah. at home, right? That's it, We've kind of been hoping for that, so – 
it's it's October 21st right now, so two months away from that. But it's not out of the question. Oh. And and you know <laughs> that's the of our Christmas party, though. Oh, please no. No, I'd be screwed. Oh, I'd be screwed. Oh, Jessica just nailed it down on Saturday night. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, so um, otherwise, the Dukes could be in Fargo that weekend, and we'll all be angry and yelling at the television if that's what happens. Yeah. And for all we know, we could lose the Col- you know a Colgate-esque squad again in the round of 16. So no need to get ahead quite yet. Um, but yeah, I did. Big, it big was hard not us. to look at. It was hard not to look ahead when I thought, man, if SDSU won and North Dakota State dropped to the three seed, because to me, it would be hard, even with all of NDSU's success, it would be hard to, you know, a JMU team who didn't lose an FCS game, be hard to jump them, I think. I think. Uh, you know, I never put it past the committee to give something to NDSU. Yeah, it's just tough. But it's, it, that's where the CA beating itself up could hurt. Has hurt us. You know, it's like you me. get to the end of the year and it's like, oh, wow, they, they beat a bunch of teams that finished seven and four. You know, well, what I, well, one thing that will really help JMU is for Villanova to just keep winning. Yes. Um, I, I think that game, look, if, if they stay healthy based on what we saw when we played them, um, that game's going to get better and better. And, and weirdly, the Stony Brook game has, has improved with time. Yeah. Just a couple more weeks, too. So would really like to see that continue. I mean, so. I, guess, I guess the CA is still in the running for four, maybe five. but It was weird. I saw, Sam, I saw Brian and Sam. One of them had five and one of them had six today. Now, they both said they didn't imagine that that's how it would work out. Because you had Jamie and Nova. I think you got to consider locks in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. And then, then you've Stony got Brook, that Stony Brook, Elon, New Hampshire, Delaware. Delaware all there. On the lot. bubble. Yeah, very, very bubblish. All very like 20 to 30 range. I, I got to think at least, at least one, if not two of those guys will play themselves out of it. I think they will too. I think the interesting thing this year will be um, the a lot of the like like we said. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Kennesaw. I mean, somebody's going to get in for the Big South one way or the other. But Jacksonville State has played themselves out of the OVC this year, so there's not going to be a second team from there most likely. Uh, I, I don't know some of the. I mean, with the with Furman drop, like I'm not sure who else takes the bids this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I just I don't know where somebody somebody's got. You got to get a bid at some point. And that's where I feel like with JMU, get to eight and one, lock your playoff seat, you know, lock your spot in the playoffs first, and then let's move on from there. This is, the this is where the Ivy League needs to get over itself and just join the playoffs. They do. It, yeah. it would be fun. And I, be really I, fun. I guess they've got this whole, like, they don't want to lose to a JMU. They don't want to lose to a state school or one of these, like, you know, Southwest regional type universities. But get over themselves. I mean, yeah. What are they going to do? Like nobody in their right mind is going to think any less of a Princeton or a Yale or a Harvard. If they no, lose from, to, if they lose to North, to North Dakota State. State, I mean, it's like, get over it. Right, right. It's going to be fun. It would be alumni engagement and they're good teams. Yes. Like, I mean, That's I would love, really right I would now, love Princeton to see Dartmouth. Yeah. Or a yeah. couple of years ago, Harvard. I mean, like yeah. these are really, really good teams that mm-hmm. play good football, that get good fan support for rivalry games. Mm-hmm. I got to think like, I mean, goodness gracious, if JMU hosted, like, a Harvard or a Princeton for a play, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. Or, or if they went there. Like, I would love to go see a game at, at Soldier Field or, yeah, or at the Yale Bowl or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. That'd be really, yeah. really fun. Um, yeah. It just stinks because, I, I mean, they've gotten on board and they've done well and had some big upsets in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're so reluctant to jump on board with, with the FCS playoffs. But yeah, I don't know why either. It's, it's, it would be a better product if you had the top Ivy League teams in there, because they'd be a multi-bid conference some years. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and this oh. year, they'd be a threat to go pretty deep, if not, you know, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but 
Princeton looks like the type of team that could go at least to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. If not further. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll be talking playoffs a lot the next few weeks, Rob. Um, I don't know. We'll have some fun next week on the bye week. Um, I will be in Minnesota next week, weirdly enough. Okay. Um, I think in time to pod on Monday night. If I, I will be you. returning from Atlanta. I'm going okay. to my football-less uh, other alma mater's home Oh, yes. Nice. Um, I I believe we have an Uncle Cracker concert. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yes. Instead of football game, I will not be attending that. Okay. Wow. Nothing screams Atlanta like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, Indigo Girls are alums. They couldn't get them this year for some reason, but we've got Uncle Cracker. Um, Oh, boy. So we shall see. I I will, like I said, I will not be attending that. I will um, be watching JMU on my phone and hanging out with friends watching all the other games on Saturday afternoon. That's awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So we'll talk next Monday. I, I hope um, I hope the Nats will still be alive. And we'll, well see what happens. Well, <laughs> I know you don't. Y- you that. said that. <laughs> I did not. I know. I Go know. out too, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, Rob, I will talk to you next Monday, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes. Woke up Sunday morning. With no way to hold my head That didn't hurt And the beer I had for breakfast Wasn't bad So I had one more for dessert Then I fumbled in my closet Through my clothes And found my cleanest dirty shirt Then I washed my face and combed my hair And stumbled down the stairs to meet the day I'd smoked my mind the night before With cigarettes and songs I'd been picking But I lit my first and watched a small kid Playing with a can that he was kicking Then I walked across the street and caught the Sunday smell of someone's frying chicken. And Lord, it took me back to something that I lost somewhere, somehow along the way. On a Sunday morning sidewalk, I'm wishing, Lord, that I was stoned Cause there's something in a Sunday That makes a body feel alone